Good morning, and welcome to the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. This is the podcast for June 28, 2020. My name is Reverend Jason Warren Griffiths, and on behalf of the team and I, I'd like to say welcome. Glad you're joining us. This past Tuesday, our governing body met, um, and it's official. We are entering into phase two. If you would like a copy of our, our written document, um, just spelling out the guidelines for how small groups are able to meet on campus, please email me at jason at pccov.net, and I'll gladly send you one. Um, that's This is good news, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we're regathering in smaller groups, following these guidelines with masks and social distancing, and there are strict parameters, but strict parameters set aside, I am rejoicing um, because Daytimers is going to be meeting this Wednesday, which is our men's Bible study. We're going through Acts, and we're going to be studying um, in the Fellowship Hall. Bring your own coffee um, and be way, way far apart from each other in there, and we're going to be, uh, it's going to be good to be back in the same room. And just to be honest, um I was super blessed because our leadership team is so phenomenal. Um, and I can't wait till next month where we're, we're scheduled to gather together in the sanctuary. And uh, it'll be good to be off of Zoom and um, in each other's presence, even though we be apart um, socially and that kind of jazz. Today, we get the honor and the privilege of hearing from my predecessor yet again, um, and I can't thank him enough. Uh, Reverend Tim McCalment is going to be opening up the word and sharing God's message with us this morning. Let us be called to worship from the words of the 91st Psalm. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Lord, we gather via this technical media that enables us to be together in a very strange way, yet, in fact, because of your Holy Spirit, we are in fact together over these transmission lines. Lord, I pray that as we gather, as we worship, as we sing and pray, Lord, and as we hear your word, that we would be bound together, that we would be enabled and empowered to receive your grace and sent forth into a very strange world with the good news of hope that you have given to us. Be with us now, Lord, as we worship. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Good morning and thank you for tuning in to today's children's message. This morning I have a calendar in my hand. How many of you have a calendar in your house? Calendars have many uses, don't they? We use calendars to mark time. We keep track of fun things like holidays and not so fun things like doctor's appointments and dentist appointments. We schedule vacations and birthdays. What else do we use calendars for? A calendar is a very valuable tool, isn't it? But there's a problem with the calendar I have in front of me right now. It's old and an expired calendar is really no good. Why? Because the dates on this calendar have already happened. It's in the past. You know, this calendar reminds me of my own past. There are times in my life I wish I could forget times when I sinned or made mistakes, and if this calendar held a record of the mistakes I made this year, I'd be too embarrassed to show it to you. I bet all of you would say the same, but here's the thing about calendars. They usually go on sale in the fall in anticipation of the new year, but once the new year comes, what happens? People mark the calendars down by 50% off, and sometimes even 75% off. Eventually, any calendars that don't sell get thrown away. Why? Because they're expired. No one would think of keeping an expired calendar in their house. But many times we keep the memories of our past mistakes and sins, don't we? But we don't have to if we believe in Jesus. You know why? The Bible says when we are saved, Jesus takes our sins away. Psalm 103:12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So let's remember what the calendar has to teach us. The mistakes of the past don't need to stay with us today. Give your mistakes and your sins to Jesus, and he will take them away, just like an expired calendar. Let us go before our God and confess our sins together. Merciful God, you pardon all who truly repent and turn to you. We humbly confess our sins and ask your mercy. We have not loved you with a pure heart, nor have we loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not done justice, loved kindness, or walked humbly with you, our God. Have mercy on us, O God, in your loving kindness. In your great compassion, cleanse us from our sins. Do not cast us away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of our salvation and sustain us with your bountiful spirit. It says in God's word, If we are faithful and just to confess our sins, our God is willing, able, and eager to remove our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. In the name of Jesus the Christ, I declare we are forgiven.
There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and the shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord, your presence, Lord. Say there's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Can compare your unliving heart, your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. Come on. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free. Shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. This Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory. God is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord, your presence, Lord, let us become more aware your presence, let us experience the glory of your goodness, come on, let us become more aware of your presence, let us experience the glory of your goodness, let us become more aware of your presence, let us experience the glory of your goodness. Last time. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. 
Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Good morning to my PCC family. It's good to be with you once again, even though it is over these uh, strange lines of media that we've come to get used to, I think, over these past months. It's good to be with you again. It really is. It just seems like ages ago, doesn't it, when all this began? Ruth and I are fine. We just keep getting older. If anybody can help with that, I'd be open to talking with you, but uh, it doesn't seem like there's any, any remedy for that. Um, but uh, our family is healthy. We're enjoying our grandkids here, especially our new granddaughter, Kara, who will just turn a year old in a little over a week. Um, but we're in touch with all of our children and grandchildren, even the ones up in Washington. And we trust God is caring for each of you as well as we navigate this territory that we've never been in before. For today's text, we find ourselves in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Isaiah speaks God's message to his people who are in exile, far from their homeland. And by now, things are getting old. They've been there a while. He speaks God's message to them, but they've been taken from their country, stripped of their customs. They're truly strangers in a strange land. By now, a routine has been set but it's just not like being at home. And they're wondering where their Savior God has been through all of this. God's people had divided into two. There was the northern kingdom, Israel, and it had since weakened, been weakened with internal power struggles and assassinations and the like. And they'd been unable to cope as a result, with the invading Assyrian armies that came in from the north. And then they capitulated. They served the god Baal and then went along with the moral decline that was present. They really, really did give away their soul. And eventually they surrendered, never to recover again. That's in the north. In the southern kingdom of Judah... After the faithful reign of King Uzziah, they were now under the rule of King Ahaz. Ahaz, against the pleadings of the prophet Isaiah to trust God's promises, sought alliances with surrounding nations. And in so doing, they surrendered the southern kingdom to the invader, the Assyrian armies and to the gods they worshipped. As a result, everything came crashing down on God's people. They were gathered together, they were shipped off to a foreign land, and lived in that captive exile for years on end. 
the people of God then cried out. And Isaiah responds. Isaiah comes as God's voice of response to his people. And so in chapter 40, beginning at verse 27, this is what the Lord says to his people. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even young people grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is the word of the Lord. You know, over these past months, it's as if the world, the whole world, has been put on pause. Life, it seems, has just come to a halt. It's almost surrealistic. I remember in the early days of this pandemic, walking the streets around South Coast Plaza on a Saturday morning, a time when it's usually bustling with traffic and shoppers. It was like a ghost town. Very, very strange. And then after the pandemic was declared a national emergency, most of us were struck with fear. We watched as the infection rate rose and there were not enough hospital beds, supplies, or equipment. First responders were bravely risking their lives caring for the sick. Much of that is still the case But it came to be that life as we know it had come to a screeching halt. Then the economy reacted. Many people lost their jobs. And now, after three and a half, almost four months, we're wondering, as we are making attempts to reopen, what's going to happen? We're still under this threat. But then came the unjust, unnecessary, and uncivil killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis, and an uprising such as we have never seen in the last 50 years. And then on top of that, we now face a most contentious and vile election campaign just ahead. What else can happen all at one time? Mercy! What can we do? What is our response? So after sheltering in place for nearly four months, wearing face masks, social distancing, and washing our hands every hour, after all these events, we've taken a peek over the horizon ahead, and we are anxious. 
and troubled. Even as we reopen, there's a sense of insecurity and uneasiness. Some say it's getting better, but then we see actual statistics and we're worried and concerned. It's like we're all waiting for something unknown. We're in the dark and everything is up in the air. Now, waiting is something none of us are really fond of, especially as we hunker down in this current situation, waiting for something to happen. Waiting for anything is difficult at best. The job that seems never to come, waiting many days for the diagnosis that will determine my future, it's a slow grind, isn't it? We're waiting to see how the world will change for our future. It's just all very painstaking. But ultimately, this leads to the question about God. Has God disregarded us, brushed us aside, or left us behind? Does he see us as unworthy? And we want an answer to that question, and we want a resolution now, or at least an indication of what lies ahead. Today, give me a clue. It's, it's almost like we feel accustomed, even entitled, to immediacy. We deserve a break today. But you know, life, real life with Jesus, at times raises these issues for us. Certainly life in Christ is full and abundant and joyous. But at the same time, if we're honest in the face of truth and not living a panacea, we begin to ask the question as we wait, just what is the purpose of all this? Is God up to something we can't see? Isaiah is one of the giants in the grove of Old Testament prophets. He lived in the 7th or 8th century B.C. He prophesied for approximately 50 years in Judah as a citizen of Jerusalem. He brought his people good news in a dark time. And our ears perk up. Is there something we've missed that God wants us to know? Because we believe that God is always present. Sometimes he's unseen, but he's active. He's at work behind the scenes, perhaps preparing us for something ahead. It happens over and over again in the story of God's people. For it can often seem like nothing is happening. Whatever it is, is bad, we imagine. When in fact... God is a, is a whirl of activity, shaping us and shaping our circumstances according to his purpose. God uses even our present situation to shape us. The Israelites were stuck in the wilderness, and God spoke to them. It took 40 years, but he brought them through it. David's hiding in a cave as Saul closes in. But God rescued him, 
Jesus is in the wilderness, waiting, when he could be stirring thousands. But he's waiting. Paul's in a Roman jail while the Gentile world waits. Have you ever felt like those Isaiah is addressing are like us? God has lost track of me, one translation reads. He doesn't care what happens to me. I believe we're now in one of those crucial times. Personally, nationally, internationally, we're anxious about the health crisis, the economic fallout, seeing justice distorted, witnessing justice in our very life even being threatened. I think it's important to remember in the narrative of the kingdom of God, waiting is a time of birth for great potential. It's just like for us, the birth cycle, nine months long, yet it's a preamble to a day when new creation springs forth. For followers of Jesus Christ, the most necessary characteristic to nurture is that of hope. How can we today bring hope to become the guiding light in our lives as we wait for whatever lies ahead. God's word through Isaiah is for us as we wait in the dark. Because as we wait, first of all, I believe we must listen. Isaiah asks the question, Don't you know? Haven't you heard? He's saying something about listening. Jesus said, anyone who has ears to hear, let them hear. There's a message in God's word, but also in what is taking place around us. Is God using this pandemic, this social upheaval and political chaos, these economic events to speak something into our lives? There's a fear and a desperation. We see it all around, even in our political leaders. What is God wanting his people to hear in the midst of all of this? There are calls for action, and we unquestionably need to be willing to act. But what do we do? We want the actions we take to have substance, not just emotion, We don't just want to act for action's sake, but we want our actions to move us forward, to bring the necessary changes that need to come about. You know, I've wondered through all the pandemic and the uh, civil violence and all that, what, what can I do to speak into this situation and act upon social injustice? But you know what I'm learning first of all is how little I really know about the injustices that are visited upon people of color and minority folks. I've realized that I must first listen. And so I'm doing a lot of listening. I'm, I'm reading scripture and I'm praying more and I'm getting up early and reflecting on all this. But I'm also listening to the injustices taken upon people around me, people that I know. 
I'm reading a book called White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. It points out how awkwardly difficult it is for us white folk to talk about racial inequality and injustice. I'm finding it's a hard book to read, but I need to listen to what this book is saying. I'm listening as I share conversations with my African-American friends and neighbors and to the black community at large. I have a dear friend I trust deeply who has preached even here at PCC several times, and he's served our community in health care at Hogue Hospital as the lead chaplain. And I've realized perhaps I'm missing something. My friend has been profiled over and over in Orange County because he's African-American. He's been stopped for no reason other than the color of his skin. And I listen to Don. I'm listening as a part of conversations with pastors in Costa Mesa and Los Ranchos Presbytery. I'm having conversations with good, well-grounded men and women I've known who faithfully serve as law-abiding police officers in their community. Even a former police chief here in Costa Mesa, who's still a friend. I have empathy for all these good folks at this time. But I believe as I listen that this is a time when many strident voices should simply shut up and listen to those victims who are crying out. It's no time for eloquent, empty speeches from white folks, but a time at least for many of us to listen to what's going on around us. But then to discern what God might be saying through these events, perhaps even something to you. God is speaking, I believe, to all of us in this. The question for us is, are we listening? But when we do that, I believe hope begins to take root And it lets us watch for what might be happening outside our current view. God is stirring. Even though it's a hard conversation for us white folks, the time has come for this conversation when truth and grace that God can stir within us will lead us someplace productive for the kingdom having conversations with others, being deep in Scripture and prayer and reflection, particularly Scriptures and prayer, reading Scriptures and sitting in silence and reflecting on what we have just read. God speaks, and we must listen. But secondly, as we wait, we must remember. We recall times when God has shown Himself to be faithful, don't we, in our lives. Even in times before, when I was unaware He was speaking truth to me, I have looked back and seen God has always been faithful and active. Consider Isaiah's words again. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. What a statement! The majesty and glory of this image of God from Isaiah humbles us. And that humility enables us to wait. And sometimes that means long periods of waiting. 
But it becomes clear that God has strength and power available to us. Power is there and we must acknowledge it. We must trust that God has given it to us, anointing us with the same power He used to raise His Son from the dead and that enabled the church to bring healing and reconciliation to their world. There's two ways that we can wait, aren't there? Two ways. First of all, we can wait passively. We can sit around and we can think positive thoughts and we can wait and see what happens. That usually ends up, after a short time, giving up because I'm thinking about an outcome based on what I can do or what we can generate. It doesn't include God. I wait long enough and nothing happens and frustration and anger boil over and nothing comes of it. Or we can wait expectantly hopefully, believing God in his perfect timing will reveal to me and to us what our next step might be. Living my life as if God is acting this very moment on my behalf, and I can expect a great outcome under any circumstance. I was thinking of the story of Paul and Silas as they sit in the darkness of night in a jail cave, It's midnight, they're all chained up in the high security, and they begin to sing. And the other prisoners and the guard watching them are also seeing what's going on. Some of them even join in. And then God showed up. Now, it would have been much more convenient if God had come by earlier. Paul could have avoided, Paul and Silas even, could have avoided these beatings and being put in jail and in that dark, dank cellar, being chained up. But God's timing was different. And it's perfect, as different as it is from flawed. It's perfect timing. God shows up, suddenly an earthquake strikes, and the very foundations of the prison were shaken. The doors were thrown open, and their shackles were unfastened. The results were not only their freedom but the salvation of others, including the guard and his family. How much better is God's plan than our short-sighted expectations? This is time to remember, a time that conjures up hope and anticipation, you know, that comes from the music we sing among the most inspirational music of our nation even. Hope is how God lifts us, how God has always worked. No matter how miserable we get, God always delivers in abundance. So finally, as we wait, we watch for a time to step up. As we listen and remember and worship, hope is stirred within us. God is in the midst of all of this, Though he didn't create this pandemic, he isn't causing the violence in the streets, but his spirit is moving. Therefore, we can dare to hope. This hope sparks activity that comes from our listening and remembering. Paul and Silas took bold action. They didn't just sit there 
and say how wonderful it was. They didn't just flee and escape. Instead, they entered into what God was doing and it saved lives. Our waiting and remembering must take action in some form. James has taught us faith without works is dead, meaningless. I can see God stirring in these very events we're living through. We as a church of Jesus Christ have a window of opportunity to reach out and help those impacted by COVID-19. Nurses, doctors, first responders, serving those most vulnerable in our own communities, wearing masks to help slow the spread, providing food for the ones most at risk in lockdown, all kinds of ways to work together as churches, even through our organization here, Trellis, churches working together in our city. In times of civil unrest, we can not only be part of healthy change, we can lead change, as exemplified by Martin Luther King Jr. years ago. We listen, we make a commitment to learn more about civil injustice, we build relationships with those marginalized in our communities, and we can play a constructive role in making necessary changes to our criminal justice system. Even our family, we have gone and participated in peaceful demonstrations, peacefully protesting any injustice, also thinking about good cops trying to be just a just presence in this community, advocating for anyone who has been victimized by racial discrimination or injustice, especially coming alongside the marginalized poor, and being willing to vote when November comes, letting your ballot come from your spiritual core. Notice how this confluence of events has come at once. This is not by coincidence. It's a perfect storm, and God is making something of it. And as we listen together, we remember together, we move together. For at some point in the middle of the chaos, we wait on the Lord, and a message comes. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I'd like to think that last line is for us older folks. The dark theme of this chapter is now reversed, and it becomes a great statement of hope. As Isaiah and his people wait in the dark, God is stirring about. Later in chapter 48, Isaiah gives the message of the Lord, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Don't you know about it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is touching lives. He's touching your life and my life and our lives together, bringing our attention to the painful realities about our country and the world Remembering Jesus' words, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And God needs each one of us. The role we have is from God, and it's one we all carry. And to that hope we move, for the best is yet to be. Lord, thank you for your word.
May it sting us in our deepest being. And may it bring us to new life and incite new inspiration that moves us to be actively involved for your kingdom in this place at this very unique time. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue in worship, let us return to God His tithes and our offerings. Please send your gifts to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. Our offerings are now received. At a loss for words And the funny thing is It's okay The last thing I need Is to be heard But to hear What you would say Word of God speak Would you pour down like rain Washing my eyes to see Your majesty To be still and know That you're in this place Please let me stay and rest In your holiness Word of God speak Finding myself in the midst of you, beyond the music, beyond the noise. All that I need is to be with you, and in the quiet, I hear your voice, word of God speak. Would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God, speak. Would you pour down like rain? Washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness, word of God speak. Open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your law. Give me understanding, and I will keep your law, and obey it with all of my heart. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. 
I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. Your testimonies are my counselors. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are my God and my Savior. My hope is in you all the day long. If I have done iniquity, I will do no more. I have stored up my word in your heart that I might not sin against you. I'm finding myself at a loss for words. And the funny thing is, it's Jesus said, All who are weary, come unto me, and I will give you rest. Let us go now to God in prayer and find that rest. God of all kindness, you gave your only Son because you loved the world so much. We pray for peace in the world. Move among us by your Spirit. Break down barriers of fear, suspicion, and hatred. Heal the human family of its divisions and unite us in bonds of justice and peace. How we need that justice and peace, O God of love. Help us to live Paul's statement that we are no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, but we are one in the body of Christ. We are so hungry for peace, for an end to the violence in our world and in our neighborhoods. We are hungry for justice, for a new way of life for people who suffer because of racism, sexism, or poverty and fear of others. Open our hearts to do your will. Help us to be part of the solution. Keep us strong as the church during these days and weeks of separation. Teach us how to minister in different ways to different people. Make us instruments of your peace. We pray for the church, our own small community, and the larger church. We pray for the General Assembly as they meet. Give wise discernment to all who are presenting and voting on important issues of our denomination. We pray for those who suffer. Surround them with your love. Support them with your strength. Console them with your comfort. And give them hope and courage beyond themselves. We pray for our families, for those whom we love. Protect them at home. Support them in times of difficulty and anxiety that they may grow together in mutual love and understanding. Help us all as the weeks of self-isolation go on and on and on and concerns for health still abound. We pray for all who have been touched in any way by this virus. Bring healing of body and mind. Stretch your mighty hand forth and prevent this virus from attacking. 
bring us to a place where we can see that control is taking place and life can return with some normalcy where we can enjoy the presence of others and some of the activities we value. By your grace, keep us mentally strong as we await vaccines and treatments of healing. Eternal God, you draw near to us in Christ. Amid the activities of our daily lives, make us attentive to your voice and alert to your presence, that we may treasure your word above all else. We ask this through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now receive the benediction. May the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit abide with each one of you and upon all those whom you hold dear here and everywhere, this day and forevermore. Amen.